Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. Oh, you know we've done it once or twice when Tom can pantomime all of the words you're saying in almost, (laughs) almost in sync. Almost in unison. (laughs) Surprise, y'all. Bet you didn't expect another bonus episode from us. Only like a week after the last bonus episode. I did. Yeah, all the bonus episodes. (laughs) But we thought we'd kick off, you know, the month of Christmas in July, Hallmark Movie Month, with a special Christmas in July gift for y'all. Which is why we're here. Good month for gifts. It's a good month for gifts. It is. It's a good month in general. We're officially past the halfway mark to Christmas. It's a crappy month. It is like the second hottest month out of the year in Oklahoma, and it is miserable. My birthday month. Yeah, you can't call any month in which Julia was born crappy, Tom. (laughs) Uh, My wife was also born this month. (laughs) You can't call any any month in which Christine or Julia was born crappy, Tom. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know that my wife would like that very much. (laughs) Julia, um, what's your birthday? July 27th. Late July, baby. And don't forget the the birth of America as well. Yes. Uh, In two days' time, Hamilton drops on Disney+. Plus. I'm so excited. Pretty exciting. It's going to be a good 4th of July. It's going to be a very good 4th of July. I was shopping on the 4th of July. Shopping on the 3rd of July. 3rd of July. Well, I think we'll probably wait and watch it on Christine's birthday then. That'll give us something fun to do. When's Christine's birthday? July 4th. Oh, there you go. She's a firecracker baby. The fourth person I know with the July 4th birthday. She legitimately thought growing up that the fireworks were for her birthday. Aww. Isn't that sweet? That That's is sweet. sweet. Is that the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe behind you, Tom? That's what I thought it was, it too. It is. Yep. I'm reminding myself that it, that it might get cold again. <laughs> it might get cold again. <laughs> <laughs> How was y'all's weekends? It was good. We're wrapping up birthdays in the month of June. Thank goodness. Gabe got a new video camera, I say. Yes, he did get a new video camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a trip, I tell you what. He did, and I mean, when this is airing, I'll officially have a 16-year-old, because Hannah will have brought up the rear with the June birthdays. When's her birthday? June 24th. Ah, very cool. What did you do for her birthday? We did the same thing we did for all the other kids. Nothing out. <laughs> we all <laughs> stayed in. <laughs> but it wasn't bad. Family time's always good. Tom, how was your weekend? I did have my first salad out of my garden. 
Ooh, how was that? I had a bell pepper in it. I had rainbow shards, Swiss shards, spinach, and tomato. That sounds Yum. really good. Did it, did it like taste even better knowing you had grown it? Oh, it was like crunchy and crispy. It was nice. It was nice. So Tom, we actually have a listener question for you from Dunder and Blixum 3 on Reddit that it seems like a good point to ask it rather than later on. A few episodes ago, Tom mentioned getting chickens soon. Any updates, Tom? We also just got our first chickens and have been building the coop and run all spring. It's been quite the adventure. No, but I have been planning out the coop. And interesting fact for you, Dunder and Blixum, your chicken eggs will be determined by the color of your chicken's earlobes. <gasps> oh, that's interesting. Really? I just learned that, yes. So can you examine the earlobes to make sure you get the pretty blue eggs? I think so. Well, you can also figure it. It's, it's also determined by their breed. Their breed have their color earlobes. But yeah, you can, if you're at the store and you're looking at chickens, you can look at their earlobes and know what color eggs you're going to get, apparently. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. That's really cool. So, Julia, did you, have you ever read books by Riley Sager? No. I read two of his books over the weekend, and they so. were he's published four. I read two over the weekend. I read one a while ago, and I need to get my hand on the fourth. He writes, like, horror thriller stuff. They're really Ooh. good. Ooh. Always looking for new authors. So I read Home After Dark, Lock Every Door, and I read... Last time I lied. You read it? Yes, I read them. You read it? Yes, I read it. I screwed up on Reddit so bad. How? I posted nothing on my cake day. Your anniversary is called your cake day. Oh. And typically, if you post stuff on your cake day, you get a bunch of karma for absolutely nothing. People just. Where do you what post? What do you do with karma? Look cool. It's basically oh, it's just, just like, a popularity rate. It's a, the points you get. It's like flair. People up, upvote you every time they like something you post. Um, oh, okay. So it's like an awesome rating. Yeah, yes. basically like an episode of Black Mirror. It determines how popular you are. That's right. That's it what does. it is. So I also read Tom. Did you read Batman Earth One? Yes. Did you like it? I did. I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure that's the direction the new Batman movie's going, just judging by the aesthetic. You are? Yep. I haven't seen enough of it to make that, to decide that. I just saw a couple of initial pictures. Have you read Batman White Knight? No. Ooh, that's really good. That's like the Joker reforms and becomes Gotham's White Knight and turns the people of Gotham against Batman. And it's a really good story. Like really good. Highly recommend it. Does he really reform, or does he, like, reform? He we reforms. <laughs> I'm watching Community, and do you remember, uh, Anthony, the episode at Shirley's uh, rehearsal dinner? Yes. When Abed and Troy decide to be normal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everybody thinks they're being huge. That's what happened when I was nice, isn't it? <laughs> That's exactly what happened when you were nice. I was watching that, and I just kept cracking up, and I was like, like um, I don't remember Shirley's fiance's name, Theo Huxtable, mm-hmm. uh, Malcolm <laughs> Jamal Warner's character. He, they come up, and they're being really nice, and he's like, walk on, man. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to do those Christmas episodes next year. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Julia, you yeah. will love them. Like that, the, the Christmas one with the where uh, they all join the Glee Club. Uh, the, the Christmas one where it's the, to the whole episode's done claymation stuff. 
Yes. Well, I remember seeing snippets of that one. People do rave about those Christmas episodes, though. They do. They bring their Christmas game strong. Mm-hmm. They do. So also bringing their Christmas game strong every year, whether or not you like the films or not, it are the Hallmark original movies. And part of the reason we are doing this bonus July episode is because it's Hallmark Movie Month. And we realized we have not had a Hallmark film on our schedule all year. So we decided to kick off Christmas in July and Hallmark Movie Month with a Hallmark film. So what movie are we covering tonight, y'all? A Crown for Christmas. The 2016 film starring Danica McKellar, who is my childhood crush, Winnie Cooper. (laughs) Uh, And who I've mentioned before when we've covered Hallmark in the past. I know a lot of people like Candace Cameron Bure, but I think Danica McKellar is the stronger of the two. So she's more the Hallmark essential actress for me. I agree. I knew I could count on you, Julia. I tried watching Fuller House again because it's something clean that we can have on when Ellie's on, when Ellie's around. You can't do it, right? It's terrible, y'all. It's just awful. There was like one funny scene on the episode I turned on. How do they have five seasons. seasons of this show? Five seasons? Yeah, uh, it just yeah. ended. Oh, I did not. I didn't even wade into those waters because I liked Full House for what it was, and I was just going to end it there. I thought the I got through the first season. After that, I was like, Ugh. first season was enough. That was just a nostalgia powered me through the first season. By the end, you got by the time you got to the end of it, you're like, oh, my nostalgia is not strong enough to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> the nostalgia is not strong with this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, do what? either of y'all want to give a plot synopsis for this film? Sure, I've got one. Kind of long. That's what she said. Allie <laughs> Evans. Allie Julia. Evans. I know, I was just saying it because he was going to say it, and then I just, so there it is. All right. Allie Evans is a maid who just lost her job at a hotel for not getting a client's room prepared in time. She's then hired by a man named Fergus, who's working for a hotel patron that overheard what happened to her, when he invites her to the European country of Winshire to work as a governess for his employer. Upon arrival, Allie discovers that Fergus's box is King Maximilian and meets his daughter, Theodora, who had been terrorizing other authority figures since the untimely death of her mother, the Queen of Winshire. As Allie bonds with Theodora while getting acquainted to the other servants and Chancellor Riggs, she learns that King Maximilian is scheduled to be wed to Countess Celia. Let's do yours, Tom. What's yours? A failed artist is apparently unable to cut it as a maid as well as she gets fired from a hotel on her first day of taking a new assignment. Overseeing her abject failure is the valet to the king of some made-up European country that Netflix and Hallmark like to throw out there regularly, I think called Winshire. So not knowing much about this girl, somehow he finds out her name and does a full background check on her, shows up at her house to eat some weird obscure soup that's just doesn't even sound appealing, but loves it and decides to hire her as a governess for a spoiled little brat whose dad is the king. After many um, what seem like fireable offenses, she still retains her job and somehow grows the affection, grows affection for and from both her boss, the king, and his daughter. But the king, as in all, as all good schmaltzy love stories on of this trope is engaged to marry somebody else who just so happens to truly be evil. Can Allie 
change the king's mind and heart, or will she go home to her failed life with a few extra bucks in her pocket? <laughs> I mean, that's harsh tonight. That was, that was very weird. harsh. I uh, well, the plot is stupid. The movie I, I would, is stupid. I would, I would challenge I some of those plot points when we get into discussion. Well, of let's. Plot. Let's do that, Anthony. You just do that because this movie, everything about it is stupid and I'm kind of mad at myself for liking it, okay? There's nothing, there's no reason I should like this movie based on the plot. None. Oh, but I at do. least you like it. <laughs> got, there's some self-deprecation that's going to happen tonight. Some questioning of my own standards for Chris, Christmas movies. Um, this is a dark epitome evening for me, I guess. Put a pin in that. Let's run through the cast really quickly. <laughs> Anthony's cutie McCute face. Yes, exactly. For once it's being applied to me. (laughs) Somebody I like. Uh, Our heroine in this film is played by Danica McKellar, who plays Allie Evans, and she's most famous for Winnie Cooper on The Wonder Years. But she also voices Miss Martian in Young Justice, which is pretty cool. She's the current voice of Judy Jetson on The Jetsons. And she has been in tons and tons of Hallmark Christmas movies and Hallmark movies in general. I didn't know she did so much voice work. Mm-hmm. Oh, she also has a bachelor's degree in mathematics and has written books on math for children, which makes the math scene in this film kind of funny. <laughs> it really is funny um, how... Awfully, they uh, how awful they are at math. I mean, the the girl the the girl's just terrible at it at first, right? Can we disagree with that? I think she was kind of just sneaking, yeah, kind of using her to get cookies. Cookies. Playing our love interest, Allie's love interest is Rupert Henry Jones, who plays King Maximilian, who is best known for his performances as Adam Carter in Spooks, Clive Reader in Silk. Joseph Chandler in Whitechapel, and Mr. Quinlan in the American horror series, The Strain. Were any of you familiar with this guy before this film? No. I was, in fact, not. I was through Whitechapel. But I know people really like The Strain, and Spooks is pretty big over in England, so. Ellie Botterell plays Max's young son, Olua, Max's young daughter, Theodora. (laughs) (laughs) She was in a show called The Demon Headmaster, Jamie Johnson. Those are really her big two things besides this, from what I can see. Yeah, she's young. Yeah, she is young. She's what in this film? Like eight? I think probably eight, nine, ten, something like that. I think they adorable. say at some point because I was like, wasn't she ten? And then he said he yeah. went to boarding school. At, yeah, I think yeah. she's ten because I remember thinking ten-year-olds still need governesses before you realize she's a handful, right? He right. says that before you realize she's a handful. Playing the king's right-hand man, his valet Fergus is Pavel Douglas, who is a British actor. He's appeared in the BBC adaptation of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, in which he played Lord Byrne. And yeah, he has appeared in bit parts in a lot of British stuff. And in 2007, he appeared in the Channel 4 documentary, Extraordinary Breastfeeding, where his wife explained why she was still breastfeeding their children as they were growing up. So, What does as they were growing up mean? 
As in, like, when they're past the normal age for breastfeeding. He was also Splinta-Claus in a 2018 24-minute short. It's about two boys who get locked in a department store overnight at Christmas and are stalked by an animatronic Santa who, legend has it, goes after nice children instead of naughty ones. Why have we not not watched this movie yet? (laughs) We need to make a note to cover that one. Splinta Claus. Good luck finding that bad boy. Challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Playing the advisor to the king is Colin McFarlane as Chancellor Riggs. I know him best. He was Commissioner Loeb in Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. Before Gary Oldman got the job after his untimely death in the films. And uh, he plays Ulysses in Outlander. And he's the voice of Bugly in Thomas and Friends. Is Ulysses in Outlander? Yep. I haven't watched that show. I love the books. You didn't know there were books. They're based on books. I learned something today, y'all. Playing our antagonist, although I would put a question mark after that, is Alexandra Evans, who who is a model who plays Countess Cecilia. She was the winner of Britain's Next Top Model in 2008. She did a TV advert for Superdrug in 2010, Nintendo Wii. <laughs> she was in the 2014 fantasy movie, Dragons of Camelot. She appeared in the music video of Down, Down, Down by Charlie Simpson. <laughs> and uh, that's about as much acting as you get to her name. I wonder if she's a ginger, like for real. I don't know. Her IMDb picture is a ginger. Is that an appropriate yes. term? Are we allowed to say ginger? Can't we? If I was I a redhead, know. I'd want people to call me ginger. I think it's appropriate. I'm just asking. I'm just making sure it's not an... an Tom, I, I don't think they care anyway. They don't have souls. And there we go. We made it up. <laughs> <laughs> and we've made it inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so, histories with this film. Julia. So, by the title, I didn't know really, right? Like, which one this was. I knew I'd seen some princess, non-princess, travel to a far country Hallmark movie before. It's a whole genre. It is a whole whole genre. genre. But when I saw it come on, I was like, oh, it's this one. This is actually a Hallmark movie I remember. It's one of those that, like, you can remember pretty well once you figure out where you're at. You get your bearings, and then you can pretty much, you remember the story. Um, And this is actually my favorite Hallmark movie of all time. I realized watching it this time, um, you know, it's still nicely nestled in the Hallmark genre for sure. But as far as Hallmark movie goes, this one hits it, hits it out of the park for me. I love it. I'm going to bounce off that one before going over to Tom, who's going to have some self-loathing here, and say this one gets a lot of airtime, rightfully so, every Christmas in July and Christmas season. Like you, it's one of the ones that's more memorable. I mean, it is a whole genre. Lacey Chabert, Chabay stars in almost the exact same movie on the same channel. And we've covered The Christmas Prince from Netflix before. Mm-hmm. And they're not the only three films either. But <laughs> this is a whole genre. But this is definitely my favorite of the genre. And like you, Julia, while Mrs. Santa Claus is still my favorite Hallmark movie... This is probably my favorite Hallmark movie of the traditional Hallmark movies. It, sure. 
and not just because it has Danica McKellar in it, because she's in a lot of them, which I don't like as much except for her. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the plot, it, it looked Christmassy. It felt Christmassy. When I watched it today, it put me right in that Christmas mood, which is mm-hmm. exactly what I wanted to kick off Christmas in July. You know, what's funny is I was watching this and Jude was sitting there with me and he wasn't watching it. But when some of the soundtrack started playing, he goes, is that the Santa song? And I'm like, the Santa song? He's like, you know, like the song would play when Santa is around. And I'm like, it is a Christmas song. That's for sure. <laughs> oh. Even he picked up on it. That's, that's a testament. <laughs> What's your history, Tom? I don't have one. I watched it today. I dig it. And I think I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> okay. How, would you, how had you escaped seeing this movie? Yeah, because you watch Hallmark Christmas movies, don't you? You watch Hallmark around Christmas. Yeah. I didn't. I did. I didn't have Hallmark for a long time because we didn't have the cables. Then that's how. Because it's not too. It's not too. It's not an old one or anything. It's 2015. It's, it's five years now. We just got cable, just and I still don't use cable. The only reason I really have it is because uh, it's cheaper to have cable than to not. Yeah, same. But I like it. I'm a big fan. It will be a part of my Christmas canon. I will probably watch this again and again and again because it's so good. It is. is. It should not be. It shouldn't, but it is so good. I'll tell you this. It's a lot better than The Christmas Prince. Sorry, Tom. I know you love that. I like them both. I just think they both have just a good feel to them. This one feels really Christmassy. I know. This one's better. (laughs) I want first dibs at saying why this one is better than The Christmas Prince. And I want to see how many things I can check off of y'all's list. That's fair. Okay. I'm pretty sure we should all be in agreement. I just want to take a first stab at it. I'm I, have to, I have to say, this is a pleasant surprise you both liked it. Because Hallmark movies are hit and miss for all of us. I was like, am I going to be the Hallmark defender tonight? I wasn't sure because Chanty's been kind of quiet. And I was like, hmm... You, and you find it kind of feel dirty when you have to be the one to defend Hallmark, don't you? <laughs> I have never been in that position on this show before. But you were feeling really dirty thinking about it, weren't you? <laughs> I, I was. I absolutely was. Okay. So we have this amazing setup. All right. We open up and Allie, Danica McClellan, is sitting there and she is painting. And I thought her roommate, I didn't know who it was, came out. And it's like, oh, you're up already. Yes, it's the only time I have to paint because my life is apparently so busy. I didn't know why her life would be so busy. Um, And then we learned she had an art show that failed. No explanation about why it failed throughout the entire film. We don't know what went wrong with it. But it crushed her soul, apparently. And she now just does artsy things for fun. Then we go Wait, wait, wait. Before you move from this scene... Did anyone else notice a really creepy, like, doll face painting of Danica McKellar? Yes! <laughs> that gave oh, me like the heebie-jeebie. Like her self, her self uh, portrait? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was weird. It was creepy. It was, there was, was another really creepy, creepy one that we're going to see later, too. So then we, we go to the, the later in the scene, and she's dressed as what I thought was a waitress, as is her sister. They're in matching attire. And uh, her brother, who is much older looking than her, comes in. And we learn that they're a family at this point. And we learn, and the brother picks up the, uh, some bill and he's like, oh, past due, I thought we paid these. And then 
Allie goes to these really well-hidden stack of papers with a big past due notice hanging out of the cabinet that everybody could have seen from the get-go. And she's like, we did, but these are past due too. I guess I'm just going to pick up some extra shifts and work for tips. Again, assuming we're talking about a waitress. But then out of nowhere, they get to work, and they're not waitresses. They're maids at some hotel that's supposed Um, to be a Richie Rich Hotel. And they have a, quote, VIP floor, which I've never heard of a VIP floor in a hotel. Really? Um, Have you never seen J-Lo in Made in Manhattan? Come on now. No. The the fancy hotels, it's usually called the penthouse. It's called, like, there there are other names. I've never heard it called the VIP floor. She was talking about they had the presidential suite on this floor. They did, but I've never heard a floor called the VIP floor is all I'm saying. Even when I've had the presidential suite, I didn't hear it called the VIP floor. Uh, Tom had to get that in. He was important enough to stay at the presidential suite. I didn't stay in it. I did not sleep in it. We had it. Humble brag. No, that's where you, that's the, the suite you rent to take. That's the suite you get to take people for fancy schmoozing at conferences. No, I did not sleep in one. I have never had one for myself but I have utilized them for work. Um, so let's get that Fancy. out of the way. Let's get that out of the way right now. Poor boy does not get those. Tom, the ref episode already made it very clear to our listeners. You're bougie. You can, oh, I am you stayed in the presidential. <laughs> I did not. I did not stay in the presidential suite. Anyway. So she's up. She and her sister are up there because some girl got fired. Apparently they go through a lot of people and mm-hmm. the lady who runs this hotel is just not a, a pleasant soul. Um, as employers typically are not in Hallmark movies. Right. Um, that's also going to be the case when she gets across the ocean. But It's the same woman. Was it really? Pretty yeah. much, isn't it? Yeah. No, but, well, but no, not legit the same, the same actress, character. but like... Oh, I was about to say. It's the same character. That would have been cool to have her play both, like in Peter Pan, like on stage. Usually it's the dad at, plays Captain Hook as well. That would have been cool. Yeah. Oh. Huh. Um, they have this a little elevated for Hallmark, Anthony. Well, I mean, I mean this is, in terms of Hallmark films, this is a better quality one. So I could have that would have been cool. They have this ongoing theme that she is supposed to be invisible, which really makes me sad. Right. Um, that makes it reminded sad. me of Arrested Development. You should be seen, not heard, and Buster would be hiding behind pillars and walls and everything. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. So through this whole thing, she's supposed to be seen and not a presence. Um, and it's obviously an important floor. They have a lot of work to do. And uh, we meet the king for the first time. And I don't think I'm going to like the king because he's got this like playboy feel that they're trying to make him have that mm-hmm. he's not pulling off. And we later see why. But he had this big party and his valet is like, oh, you know. You shouldn't have spent this much money, blah, blah, blah. And so he leaves, and as he's leaving, he literally runs into Allie, and they have this immediate spark as, you know, anybody who's ever been away around extremely wealthy people, they don't look twice at servants or people of lower status. (laughs) So the fact that he made eye contact with her is completely unbelievable to me. But he's like, oh, look at you, you're so beautiful. (laughs) whatever and to make this better she starts handing him chocolates and bars of soap as if he needs any of these things and i mean uh, i would have stopped and did a double take if i was him but no uh so she her sister gets notified that she has a 
an audition for a role in the chorus. And Allie decides it's worth risking everything so that she can go for this audition for the chorus. So she leaves and then she walks into the King suite and it's a mess. And uh, the way it looked like the King suite was the last one, but apparently it wasn't because, because staunch face comes in looking all, <laughs> all dowdy and angry. Cause apparently they didn't clean out a room for what a, a hotel reviewer in time. Oh, yep. So she fires her, and just as she's getting fired... No, 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 no. She fires her and her sister. She fires her and her sister, and just as this is happening, our good friend, the valet, Fer- comes... Fergus. Ferg- yeah, Fergus. He comes back because the king forgot his father's watch. And he's there just in time to see Allie turn in her key card and say, here, somebody left this watch here. So he's like, oh, look, she's down on her luck. And obviously, she's very trustworthy. So I guess he talks to um, Staunch Face and finds out the girl's name and does a full background check on her and then shows up at her house to give her $5,000 for not stealing the watch. She won't take it. Again, she doesn't know how much this watch is worth, right? This may have been a heck of a bargain. And she turns down the $5,000, which he says is admirable. And he smells her stew, which just sounds like it's a pile of whatever the crap you have in your... your it's, it's everything in the kitchen except the peas. That's what he said. Except, except the peas. So I don't know how that would have a specific smell, right? I mean, Anthony, do you cook a lot? I, I do. And Julia, you cook. You've yeah. made these soups before where it's like, ah, eh, we have all this in the fridge. Let's put it in a bowl, throw some stock in it. Bam, we have dinner, right? Right. It does not have a unique smell. But this does, no. for whatever reason. And she's like, do you, hey, strange, old, rich, white dude with a British accent who's not from Britain, do you want to stay and have dinner with us? Well, you know, I have nothing else going on, so of course. And as they're going, he hires her to be a governess for Theodora, the princess. But she doesn't know it's a princess. She has overnight to think, and then a car will pick her up. Um, Even though she's never been out of the country, she has a passport ready to go. Yes, yeah, that's where I was like. That's that's the first. How did he make that happen? <laughs> Is it safe to assume you've never been out of the country to Staten Island count? Uh, no, that does count for Manhattan to Staten Island. That counts. I'll give her that's grace. Not another there. country. I'll give her some country. grace. It makes you feel that way. So she gets in the car, and some random kid in the neighborhood throws a snowball at her. And we have this whole build up to the fact that her parent, their parents died. So she dropped out of art school and came home to take care of her siblings, one of whom is obviously older than her. <laughs> it's the weird casting they do, right? Like mm-hmm. there, was, there was some show on, I don't know how I don't know how it started, but it was like we were outside, we come in and this this show on on uh, Netflix, Steel it's not Steel Magnolias, but it's something like that. It's their new show they're pushing. It is. It is Steel Magnolias? Yes. Okay. It is? I, uh-huh. I, think, I think one of the dogs sat on the remote or something. We come in, and it's a high school scene, and all of the high schoolers they're talking to look 35. It's, <laughs> I don't know why these shows can't cast people age appropriate. But, uh, and her siblings were apparently total terrors and, and jerks to her. Um, but they all still live together now, even though they're adults. So I don't understand all that. Um, so I found a funny tight family bomb bond. They're the Evanses. The Evanses. They're the Evanses. I thought I did find it funny when they're pulling up to the castle, and the whole like servants, all the servants are lined up outside, and as they're pulling up, which is like, oh wow, what a warm reception. 
yes, unfortunately, it's not for you. You're going through the servants' quarters. And that made me chuckle. Uh, it did, but very I talented. it had this very well. There, this show, this movie is insisting upon her being less than. Like in every role she is, they're driving home and nailing the point almost too far that she is an outsider. She is less than everybody else around her. You're to be invisible. You're to be invisible. Go in the servants' quarters. You can't eat with us. Like all of these things are just to separate her from everybody else, and I find that really sad. So. Mm-hmm. I find that's a typical Mary Sue portrayal, right? Like in Twilight, Bella was a Mary Sue, and everyone, that book and that movie, you're playing, you're playing, you're playing, you're invisible, and yet Edward finds her to be the most gorgeous girl. Correct. It's a trope. It's a trope. It is. This one I felt like went too, went a little too far for me to buy it. She goes into the servants' quarters. She meets the dowdy head of the servants. Again. Mrs. Wick. Who is again the same person who just fired her, and everybody assumes she's going to get fired, and she goes to her rooms and has to eat in her room by herself. Yeah, like why would a servant not be able to eat with the other servants? Even in Downton Abbey, they ate together. They all ate together. Yeah. I don't know why. I, what I don't understand is why Fargus would be eating with or Fergus, whatever Fargus, Fergus, why he would be eating with them if she wasn't. You know what I mean? Right. He was. He was obviously above them in station. Right. Well, what's funny is she, Miss Wick was called head of the household. But I kind of thought that was also Fergus's job. It seemed like he was the one going around with the schedules and well, even in Downton to all of them. Even in Downton Abbey, the valet is above the head of the servants, right? Yeah, that's true. I think when you're that close to the king, it kind of rubs off some, even if it's not like an implicit or explicit. Well, uh-huh. If it's not an explicit power, there's an implicit power there. So that's a trope we see in these royal Christmas movies too, right? The Christmas Prince mm-hmm. had it. The other Hallmark royal one had it with Lacey Chabert. There's always that advisor who's very close to the king or the queen and who's like the whisper in the ear trying to like stand up for the commoner who just came into their lives. Right. And in this case, he had two voices in his ear. He had Fergus that was like a posititive one. And then he had the chancellor that was like a negative voice in his ear. Well, angel and devil on his shoulder. That's right. Yeah. And that guy was totally the devil on his shoulder saying, you need to be more like your father. And Fergus was more like, you need to follow your heart without actually saying those words. So Allie settles in, meets Theodora. They have one of those initial meetings. That's a little rocky to say the least. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she basically yells at her and call, she doesn't call her a twerp, but she basically does outside of the, the window down into the courtyard and her dad is right there. So it makes a terrible first impression. Fireable or, offense number one. Or okay. second impression because she made her first impression at the hotel. She's on him. Yeah. yeah but yeah. like the staff with relation to his daughter. And so they... She meets Theodora properly, realizes she is kind of a brat, and it's definitely like a sound of music, you know, when the kids first meet Maria, right? They pull Mm -hmm. some tricks. She finds a snake toy in her drawer, and she kind of gets the feeling of what this kid's going to be like. But she takes it all in stride. She's a really positive character, which I really love that. She has a definite rapport with the with the daughter, with Theodora, they build a relationship over this whole middle part of the movie. 
Um, she comes to realize she's not so much a brat as she's grieving her mother and wishes her father paid more attention to her. So she's laughing she's, out. Well, you can see from this, she's grieving her father too. She's, she knows he's not there anymore. Like right. mm-hmm. we see that later when she, when she's speci- when she specifically says to her, um, why do you have to leave? You know, my father's better when he's around you. He's himself. Like, right. Right. And so that's Maximilian's struggle is in one, in a small amount of time, he loses his wife, who was the love of his life, and then he loses his father, who was the king of the kingdom. So in a very short amount of time, he has to make some decisions. Um, how to be king. Uh, he didn't even have a chance to really figure out what kind of a king he'd want to be. So he's halfway trying to be just like what his dad did, where the chancellor is pushing him. And then he's halfway realizing that he's failing with his daughter, right? His daughter doesn't have a mom anymore. And he doesn't really talk about the mom anymore because it's really painful. That makes the daughter think that it's not okay to talk about the mom. So we've got some definite, like, issues between the daughter and the dad, the dad himself, the dad and his staff, and we have that mirrored in Allie too, right? So she had dreams. Um, She lost her parents. She had to make tough decisions and put her stuff on hold to take care of her brother and sister, and she's still kind of doing that. And so it's a very good mix. The chemistry between her and Maximilian is beautimous. Like chemistry between those two. Um, and the chemistry between her and Theodora yep. is, is fantastic. This little girl is a way better actress than the one in the Christmas 100%. Prince. Her- I love the scene in the greenhouse and the scene yeah. where they're decor- making all the handmade Christmas ornaments. I love mm-hmm. that scene. Mm-hmm. So two good call-outs there because as the movie progresses in this middle part, um, Allie and Theodora are realizing not just that they're friends, but Allie is very motherly to her, and Theodora starts to look up to her, and she's doing all of these things that she did with her mom without realizing it. And so they obviously, like, you can see, you know what's going to happen. It's Hallmark movie. But you're cheering for these two, and they alone don't just see it, but Maximilian sees it too. So he's doing his kingly stuff and trying to figure out his place. And he sees how his daughter is changing because of Allie. He sees how Allie is around his daughter. He sees how he's changing with Allie. Um, and there's this sweet scares, scenes between them. And this scares Chancellor Riggs, who I guess is also the advisor to his father as well before he died. Mm-hmm. And he is trying to push this marriage with, I guess, she's a countess of, of Luxembourg king, of Luxembourg yeah. because the kingdom, it would, it would restore uh, morale in the kingdom, which is, he's, it's made it sound like they were going broke almost. And he's mm-hmm. trying to push this arranged marriage. I guess he had Maximilius had a former relationship with this countess back when they were younger, but then he met his now deceased wife and ran off with her. And now he's trying to get them together, this arranged marriage for the good of their kingdoms. And he sees Ali as his threat as well, because he sees Max growing closer to her, seeing how he's changing around her. And he plots to put a stop to it. He's just awful, 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 awful. He wants to get rid of Theodora. He wants her gone. 
He wants to Allie a boarding back. school. <laughs> That's just be awesome. clear to abort. Now it sounded like he wanted, like he wanted her murdered or something. You sure? <laughs> Are you sure that's not something he would have done? I'm not. And yeah, maybe on another network. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very lifetime. Very so, lifetime. So the movie's building up to this Christmas Eve ball, which is traditional. Which because of course it's a Christmas movie. So the castle's preparing for this, and that's when all the guests start to arrive, but Riggs realizes if I wait too long, if uh, the Countess doesn't arrive prior to steal time with Max, it's going to be too late because Allie will have him falling in love with her by then. Mm -hmm. So he invites the Countess a few days early. And she's basically, she reminded me of the mother in The Parent Trap. The Parent Trap. She's Vicky. Yep. She's Vicky. She is Vicky. She's straight up Vicky. She tries to be overly nice to Theodora in the presence of Max, but the minute Max and the kid and are gone, like the facade comes down and she's like, oh, she basically is like Vicky. I can't wait to ship her off to boarding school. But she belongs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She's awful. And I don't like her. And she immediately sees the chemistry between Max and Allie, too. And she's been yeah, down this road. Like, Hello. She's been down this road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's very, like, traditionally hierarchical, like, servants have their place. Why are you allowing this woman at these dinners, at this ball? She nearly has a heart attack when all the servants are outside getting into a snowball fight, which Allie and Theodora start. Which, by the way, I love that scene. I love, love that I scene. I love that scene. And I love so Ma- I love King Max's response. He comes out and he sees him. He's like, is this a snowball fight or a tea party? Grabs a snowball and starts chucking them. Yep. And then he hugs Theodore and says, we should make this a Christmas tradition every year. Yep. I think he says, uh, you, or you started a new Christmas tradition or something, right? Yeah, some like even that. further than that. It was it wasn't just that we should do this. It's oh, this is now a this is now our Christmas tradition. And I love it because at this moment you really see what Allie's been doing with Theodora and um, is having an effect on Max. He sees who his daughter really is and he connects with her. This is like the first time they really connect, right? And mm-hmm. from this from from here on out you can see he's questioning everything that the chancellor has been telling him and everything that uh, the countess has been saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just realizes that these are not the voices he needs to listen to. And so much so that he goes, uh, when he's getting ready to propose, he goes to Fargus and asks, he's like, you've always been honest with me. Should I be doing this? And he's like, well, you're doing what's best for the kingdom. And he's like, that's not really an answer. And he said, this is one time I can't be honest with you. So he's like, I can't say this is stupid, but this is stupid. Mm-hmm. And it just further endears you to, to Fargus. Like, you love this guy through the entire thing. Fergus isn't the only good, you know, good, friendly, embracing servant at the castle. The one who embraces Allie. There's also Mrs. Claiborne, who... I think they were implying she had a romantic interest in Fergus in the past, right? Oh, they was, were, yes. I think they were together in the past, and then he joined the army, and she got married. Yep. 
Okay, there was just real no resolution to that, so I just wasn't sure if that was what they were implying, but it was. Okay. Well, I think specifically because when he talks about the red dress that Allie was wearing, he references... Yep, well, well that's why... Really in it also. So she doesn't he remember... He said, well, there was a time when you were pretty, too, is basically <laughs> what he said. And I thought, she smiled at that, and I'm like, oh, that, that is... <laughs> That is not a thing you say to a woman. Speaking of things you don't say to a woman, to a woman I have to interject a funny Ellie story for you all today. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we're outside, and when we're outside and people are walking by when we're working in our front yard or she's playing with her sidewalk chalk, she's, she talks to everybody. She's like, hi, how are you today? And they'll answer and, she, and always ask her how she is. She said, I'm great, and then she'll go on to say something. And usually Christine and I cringe because, well, Ellie doesn't have a good filter. <laughs> <laughs> Best one yet. There's a lady walking by, and she's maybe 60. And Ellie goes, hi, how are you? You know, whatever. I'm great. Are you a grandma? And she said, yes, I'm a grandma. You look like a grandma. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and that's what I thought when I heard Fergus's response to her. Oh, I remember a time where you looked, where you were pretty, too. <laughs> so mrs claiborne confides in Allie that he she's never seen max this happy except one other time with his original wife before she passed and uh she loans her this dress for the christmas eve ball even though servants aren't supposed to go she's insistent you're gonna go and i love when she walks in Fer- well, Fer- Fergus decides to make an announcement, announce her properly, and I love that he's like, Allie Evans from Brooklyn, and <laughs> just the face of around Brooklyn. <laughs> well, Theodora insisted she went, and then Max said, yes, you should go. But we see Fergus, we see Max's, is Max shifting to, I don't want to say more selfish, because he's thinking more of his daughter, but he's thinking more... Uh, internally into his own home and his own family as opposed to for the kingdom when cecile is there and he says he's gonna walk in with theodora instead mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he walks in with his daughter and both okay so so i said i was going to talk about what i like more about this than Chris, christmas prince and this is the main key i connect with the king mm-hmm. i connect with Allie, and i connect with theodora the acting level in this is just leaps and bounds ahead of what christmas prince has Mm-hmm. the king you feel his pain you feel what he's fighting you you see it you see his you not only hear the words of this internal dialogue that he's having but you see it acted out act literally acted out on his face and on his body and mm-hmm. in his motions and everything and you see it especially here when he's dancing with his daughter and he bends down and gives her a kiss you see that he's like there's 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 something that's happened he's committed at this point you know at this point she's not going to boarding school like you knew mm-hmm. that before because it's homework but it really they didn't have to say it as they will later, but he's, he, you see him committing to being her dad, not just mm-hmm. her father. And that you see him deciding he's going to turn from the path of his father. Um, and I love it. I love this scene. Um, mm-hmm. Being a girl dad is probably part of it because it's like, I don't know. I see myself and Ellie in that situation, you know, where it's like, I want her to feel like she's the most important person in the world to me. And that's what he decides at this point. And it is beautiful. And the little girl plays Theodora, her, her grin from ear to ear. She's beaming in a way that looks so real. I am. Um... This is my favorite scene of the whole movie. There's, there's the love scenes. There's the scenes with the horse and everything. But I love this scene. I love seeing the king's growth at this point. This is my favorite scene. 
I like that they rounded out Cecilia a bit more in this scene and made her less of a villain. They added some depth to her and made her, you kind of felt bad for her. She was just like, look, I know you don't love me, but I think you can love me. And so I'll take it for now. And I, you really felt, I felt bad for her at that point. Like Basically, she, was, she says, I'm a cancer that will grow on you in time oh my gosh no it's it's a it, it was everyone know it's that pathetic last like trying to hold on to that last that pathetic last grasp people do when they know the person they love is either going to break up with him. him or leaving she says no, she doesn't love him i don't love you you don't love me but i think in time we will i still felt for her a bit in this i felt bad for her Mm-hmm. I don't because she's a completely self selfish person, and I think she's probably full of it. So there's a little a little bit of a missing ring. Cecilia confronts Allie um, because he begins to propose, but then the ring is not there, and so oh my gosh, where's the ring? And Cecilia accuses Allie of having the ring, and Allie's like, "I don't know what I did to you, lady, but like, I'm out, right?" And she runs off. Theodora runs off. They end up talking about it. Theodora had hidden the ring. Allie's like, you know, she gets it, right? Because Theodora does not want Celia as her mother. And Maximilian overhears what they're talking about. Um, Allie is going to take the fall. So tell, you know, tell everybody that it was me so that Celia could have a potential relationship with Theodora. And that was a sweet you know, again, how much she really cares for all of these people. Maximilian mm-hmm. sees that and he's like, come on, it was on my dresser, guys. You know, again, tell everybody it was on my dresser. Awesome role. Did you think yes. the Chancellor and Cecile had done something nefarious? I did. Yeah, I thought they had planted it on her. That's where I thought it was going. I did too. I thought everything was done so they were going to find it in her room. And then I thought it was going to be like... I'm sorry, like all the other royal movies where Allie actually leaves upset, he finds out the truth, and he flies back to New York to, you know, apologize in her turf, and that's how I thought it was going. I did too. And that's what I was about to say, is how many times could they have fallen in those same ruts that a lot of these other movies take, where the king, where you don't like the king at a certain point, Right. Like, where you're like, this guy's a jerk and he's an idiot, but then you come around to liking him again. I like that you never stop liking King. Like, really. You understand where he's coming from. It only grows. That's right. It doesn't doesn't have some stupid, oh, what time is it? We've got, like, what, 20 minutes left? We've got to take, like, six steps back next. Come on. Like, let's, you know what I mean? They didn't do any of that. And I liked that. It was just all enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And Celia could be the one that, you know, Celia and the Chancellor could be the ones that carry all of that. And there's none of that stupid Hallmark stuff where, you know, the misunderstanding that's so unbelievable in a lot of the movies, right? Where you overhear part of a conversation and you fly back to New York City because you think you know what just happened, all that stuff. This movie Uh doesn't have that. And I like that. Nope. Um, So Allie goes back to her quarters. That's where she is when she sees him. Yep. Yep. Come up, right? So she goes back to her quarters and she's upset, you know, because she still thinks that things are going to be left, you know, not with her, with the king. And so she's upset while he rides up on his horse. He's on his horse, right? Yes, because they've both bonded over the horse riding throughout the movie. 
I liked the horse stuff in the movie. I did. Sweet. I did too. I, I yeah. loved how the horse was like his best friend, right? He taught how to bow, yeah. smile, everything like that. It's when he yes. it's the only person thing he could confine in. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. I like. I, I always like the the things where the animal connects with a person, and then the owner knows that person is good, right? Yes, mm-hmm. like right. When he it's a when good he first character, like it's her first night or one of her first nights, and she walks out into the um, into the courtyard, and she's walking around, and she finds the stables, and she starts talking to his horse without knowing it, mm-hmm. um, and he's like, he's like, oh, you're talking to my horse, and then as she's leaving, he says to the horse, you like her, don't you? And the way he nuzzles his horse with affection. I know. Mm-hmm. This so this guy is such a better actor than the. He is a way. <laughs> he is a way better actor. So he rides up on his horse, and it's a great scene. It really is. It's electric. Again, they have the chemistry, and the kiss is fantastic. And they rush back. They get Theodora, and they're like a big family with all like the, the sweet servants, you know, that you care about. Um, mm-hmm. I do like before that happens. She's preparing to depart after this, right? She, she's not like on her way to the airport like a lot of these movies are. But in her, in the process of preparing to depart, she had given presents to all of the servant staff that she'd met while she was there. And I love that too. And it was too. pictures that she drew of them even. And then like the one of the, the really rough, you know, the girl that really didn't like her and whatever she was, the same one that was in New York, the same role. Her picture was beautiful and it was, and it made her feel really good. And I, that was one of my favorite scenes. In the movie. You, see I that picture of, you see the picture of Ali and Theodora on Theodora's nightstand. And again, mm-hmm. that picture of Danica McKellen is creepy. <laughs> creepy doll picture all over again. I loved that. Before all this, Max also, when his advisor is ripping into him, when Reeks is ripping into him, like, your father would be so disappointed, blah, blah, blah. I love that the way he stood up to him, you know, well, I'm not my father, and if you have a problem with what I'm doing, then you can leave. Mm-hmm. Like, again, yeah. you saw his growth there. Mm-hmm. But I think my favorite, one of my favorite scenes of Max and seeing his true nature is when he is privately, without them knowing, watching them decorate the tree mm-hmm. and he sees Miss Wick yell, uh, not yell, but you know, get upset that Theodora wants to put his crown on top as a star and she takes mm-hmm. it away. And later that night, Allie sees him putting the crown on, on top of the tree because he thinks mm-hmm. Theodora should have her star. I loved that. Uh, and yeah. it's too high for her to take down. <laughs> it's too That's high right. for her to take down. Yep. And then Allie makes some comment, like she could get to it with her broom or something. Doesn't she? <laughs> Yeah, if yeah. she flies on her broom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, in the end, the king and Theodore kiss in the snow, the romantic mm-hmm. trope. Yep. Hallmark right. trope, and they all are implied to live happily ever after. I mean, yeah, I think there's a sequel. Is there a sequel to this one? I didn't think there was. I think I saw one that, I mean, again, like you said, there's a few of these out there. Um, I didn't look super close on the cover to see if it actually was. So there are there are two quotes I have actually for this film. Oh. Wow, okay. So I like the toasts that Max gave at his dinner. And he said, if there is Christmas in your heart, then there is most definitely Christmas in the air. 
At which point, Theodora drops her roll. <laughs> Danica McKellar quickly picks up and puts on her plate, much to their <laughs> horror. Yeah. And she's like, the three-second rule, and there's just this moment of tension, and Max is like, in college, my roommate barely abided by the three-minute rule. <laughs> and then to further break the tension, he's like, Allie, why, why don't you make a toast? And she says, Merry Christmas to those who have seen us at our best and at our worst and can't tell the difference. And yeah, I, I really that. like that. I, I like that, that too. So did this, is this a Christmas movie, firstly? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, Christmas is a big part of the plot, right? It's leading up to this big Christmas ball. And like all the Hallmark movies, in my opinion, the atmosphere is spot on with the snow and the music and the decorations. Mm-hmm. The one thing I w- wish that these movies would do, they always have scenes in the opening of cities walking around and it's snowing, right? And there's snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. There is never snow on people. How hard would it be to just do a light dusting of snow on a jacket or in somebody's hair? Well, it's funny you say that because when they shot this film in Romania, that's where this castle was, it was 85 degrees the day they filmed the Snow Angel snowball fight scene. So. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Whew. Uh, just some good acting right there. <laughs> right? <laughs> Every time I hear of a movie being filmed in, like, Romania, I just think of Shit's Creek. <laughs> Oh, man. We have to get that Christmas special on the list next year, too. Did this movie have a Linus moment? Yeah, it totally did. Him finding the connection with his daughter again, him prioritizing her over the kingdom. The seal getting the boot. That's not a Linus (laughs) moment. I'm I'm sure sure that's a Linus moment. (laughs) (laughs) Are you all ready to rank it? I'm going to give in eight. I'm giving it two. How funny is that? Oh, great minds, Julia. I know, right? And y'all too. <gasps> Are you giving it eight also? Oh, he said great minds. Think alike. Oh. I said it in y'all's too. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Hold on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and look at it. I gave Christmas Prince a five, and this is at least three better. I'm going to give it an 8.1. Ooh. That gives us an average of an 8.033. Which puts it on our list at number 22 between The Ref and White Christmas. How funny is that? It came just under The Ref. We just did that. That is funny. Oh, this should be higher than The Ref. I like this more than The Ref. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, could, I, I am happy that she fell so high on the list. Yeah, you were worried, weren't you? I was worried. Yeah. I was worried, too, when you came up with the idea of doing a Hallmark because I'm like, I don't know if I'm in a Hallmark space. Like, because the last Hallmark we watched, I think was a real, well, it was the Christmas Prince, not Hallmark, but Hallmark-like movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. And then I started watching this and I'm like, oh, so good. <laughs> so good. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. I no, really, the, I, thank you. It was delightful today. It was good. I enjoyed it. If only we could have gotten Danica McKellar on the show. That would have been did, better. Did we try? Uh, I think I hear the phone ringing now. Hello? Hello to the elves of Tis the Podcast. Anthony, I hear you. I was your childhood crush. <laughs> Thank you so much. Julia and Tom and all your listeners. Um, yes, happy Christmas in July. 
And uh, thank you so much for booking this video. I donate all my proceeds to children's charities. Right now it's No Kid Hungry, um, Child Help, and My Stuff Bags that are really helping out kids during this pandemic. Uh, oh, if only it could be Christmas year-round. Uh, but thank you for helping to keep the Christmas spirit alive all year with your podcast, which I've never heard, but it sounds awesome. Again, thank you so much for booking this video and for supporting the kids right now. Uh, and uh, I'm sending much, much love to you all. Christmassy love. Mwah. Dude. That is so much better than... <laughs> <laughs> and Ed <asked> <laughs> that's, that's why I did it because I was like, Tom was so disappointed by that. I want to. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so cool. We should have just, we should try to get her on the podcast. We should. That was such go. a fun Christmas Anthony. in July surprise. That was a nice surprise. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So I'm going to post that as well the day this episode drops so our listeners can view it. I mean, you're going to want to view it. And we got lots of ways that you can do that. So. We have social media presences on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, Facebook group, and Instagram as well. And we have a great way for you to get to that quick and easy. All you have to do is go to tisthepodcast.com backslash Twitter, Instagram, Facebook groups. Just plug in your social media at the end of that URL and it'll take you right to it. Not only will we be able to see this awesome message that will enhance this episode for you, but you can also engage with our community. We have lots of friends out there that like to listen to the podcast too and talk about the episodes week to week as well as talk about just Christmas in general. Um, and they're way cooler than we are. So come check them out and check us out and just have fun with us in the community. Or if you really want to get in depth with us and see some new bonus episodes that we have, our Patreon is the podcast.com slash Patreon. There you can access bonus content, sign up to receive cards. We're working on some new stickers, all sorts of fun content. You could even pick an episode and co-host it with us. Patreon starts at a dollar a month. We'd love to see you there so that we can continue to improve. Thanks to you patrons, we have all upped our mics. So hopefully you've noticed a better sound. I know I have, and we'll continue to use that to reinvest in the podcast. Thank you so much for your support. And you'll get at least, we want to try to do Hamilton for this month on Patreon for the 4th of July, not for the 4th, but in honor of the 4th of July. There's at least one bonus episode coming up later in the month, and I want to try to get a fireside chat going with Disco 54 this month. He said he was game to do it. I think we need to sit down and find a time that works for him and sit with him. It is also July 1st when you're listening to this, so you should have gotten your Christmas in July recordings or voicemails to us by now, in which you let us know how Christmas is celebrating your country, city, or state. If you haven't, <laughs> please do, because we're putting that episode together. As you're listening to this, it needs to be all edited and such by July 25th, so you can hear it. And our three-year anniversary is coming up, and you you guys have had some good ideas on possible mascots for us and yeah. possible headings for our movies. So next week, you can, in a few days, you'll be able to hear the three of us talking about A Legendary Christmas, which was John Legend's Christmas special from a few years back, last year, maybe. And the week after that, we are venturing into foreign territory and covering the French film A Christmas Tale, which Tom put on the schedule. And a week after that, we have another guest host, listener David Mugavero, who donated to the aforementioned Patreon because he wants to join us to discuss the Everybody Loves Raymond Christmas episode. So lots of fun stuff coming up. Even more exciting 
we only have 4,272 hours until Christmas. That's only 178 days. That's 25 weeks. Oh, man. It is getting close. I haven't been to Target yet, but, you know, this is the monthly path back to school stuff. It's true. So. I was in Hobby Lobby the other day, and they have Christmas decorations going up already. Really? Yes. Well, I mean, everyone should check Hobby Lobby, Michael's, Hallmark. All the Christmas stuff should be going up in all those places for Christmas in July. So check them out, everyone. So do your homework, y'all. Lots of exciting stuff coming up. We have a much more exciting back half of the year than we had front half and much more high quality movies for the most part. And we shall speak to you Monday. Bye, y'all. Bye. Our friends. Snow, snow, snow. Bring on the snow, snow, snow.